Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with PGA star Jimmy Walker. All right, let's do this. And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone. And today on the program, I sit down with a six-time PGA Tour winner. In 2016, he won the PGA Championship. Ladies and gentlemen, Jimmy Walker. Jimmy, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having me today. This is cool for me. My first golfer. A lot of I'm baseball. Not really? Yeah, a lot of baseball players, a lot of football, but golf. And that's what I like, too, because now I get to... I get to get educated a little bit and I, I'm really getting ready for this. I, I was fascinated with the tour, how you get there and, and the, and the journey. And, and I want you to kind of educate me a little bit today on, on what it takes, what you have to do. I always get confused because I get the Q school and it's like, okay, some guys got to go to Q school. They don't. Some guys you know, you qualify. There's so many different ways to qualify on the tour to get your card, lose your card. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into a little bit. I went to USC and the difference is I went to USC. I knew I was going into the draft. I knew where I was headed. I'm headed to the minor leagues, probably a ball. And eventually if I do really well, (laughs) I get to, I get to go to the big leagues, uh, golf and baseball, very different. Baseball is very subjective. I've got somebody at the top, uh, you know, usually the general manager of the big league team. He's making that decision. Whereas golf, it's more of a quality. If you do X, you get your card. If you don't, you lose your card. So I'm really looking forward to this. Um, You went to Baylor. And for a college golfer, tell me what your options are, what you're thinking as a 21-year-old, where your future is and how you're going to get there. Oh gosh. When you, first of all, you got to know what you want to do. A lot of, a lot of guys are in college and they, they know they're not good enough. They know that it's a four year run for them and it's a great deal to get a four free years of school or at least half of it paid for. And, but for me, I always knew that I wanted to do the whole PGA tour, be a professional golfer, play on TV. That was always my dream and goal. And, um, I just knew that I was going to be able to do it. I, for some reason I was good. I just knew it was going to happen. And, um, but the fun thing about the funny thing about golf is, is anybody can turn professional. That doesn't mean you're a touring pro. You can turn professional, but there's no paperwork you have to sign. You just say, I'm pro. I'm gonna start playing for money. And, uh, a lot of guys do that. And then you, at that point, you don't have a path to get to the tour. You have to go out and qualify back then we had Q school and you could run, you could run it all the way through Q school, all three stages. Now today they've got, you can't even really get to the tour through Q school anymore. You have to go through the corn Ferry tour. Q school gets you to there. And then you, they're making you play a year out there to get your card. So it's very, very different than it used to be when I started out and went on my path to get out there. Are there any exceptions? Like if, if you're a college and, you, and you're you're one of that one of those guys where, you know, he's kind of a freak, that guy right there. He's you know, he's going to 
he's that blue chip number one pick type guy in another sport. Do they have to go to Q school or are there special ways they qualify without, or does every is right now? Is it the same for everybody? Well, let's take tiger. For instance, he was your ultra ultimate blue chipper, right? Right. Coming out and, um, uh, ultimate blue chipper coming out. And, um, uh, and so he got seven sponsor exemptions, which is the max you can get. So the PGA tour, gives you uh you can have seven of these unlimited sponsor exemptions and that's how he did it he went out and started to play on sponsor exemptions and made enough money to keep his card well he ended up winning like the third of any played in or something like that which automatically got him on uh you know phil mickelson won a call won a pj tour event when he was in college so that immediately got him on and those are basically the only ways that you can get straight on. I actually just read the other day that they are now giving the number one college player in the country a spot on the tour coming right out of college, just a fully exempt, ready to rock and roll. So that's crazy new, uh, in our world. What, what do you think? What, what do the players think of that? They think that's, that's all right. Or, or I, it, it literally happened at the, I think I got the email on Friday last week or something somewhere right there. And I don't think any of us talked about it. I haven't talked to anybody since, since that's come on. I think it's, I think it's great. I've, you know, there's, it's getting harder and harder to get out on tour and they're making it harder to keep your card. Now it's top 70 gets to keep your card. The rest of everybody gets to go into the playoff system at the end of the year. There's all kinds of crazy stuff happening with the tour I think a lot of guys aren't real happy with the direction it's going. Is there going to be two tours within the PGA tour now, which seems like kind of where it's headed. I think you've got, it seems like Rory McIlroy is kind of taking the reins and it seems like Monaghan's kind of going along with it. And, you know, these top, top players are dictating what's going on with the tour. And I think what's really happened was, is that the LIV tour kind of forced, has forced all this stuff, uh, to try to keep these better players on the tour on PJ tour. Yeah. It's crazy. What's going on with, with the live tour. And, you know, I don't know that if we've seen something like this, especially in the world of golf, something that's, that's really uh, a threat to the PGA tour and a competition and the money that they're paying those guys over there. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested later in the show, getting your, getting your take yeah. on, it. I'm sitting here and as a, as an outsider, as a, a fan of golf going, wow, you know, if <laughs> that's a lot of money to turn away and it seems like over there, it's, it's easier to win some money than it is on the tour. You know, you don't have to necessarily win to get that huge paycheck. I don't know. We'll get into it a little bit. You, later. You have to, you know, it's uh, but you know, going back to my path, I, I went out and I started, Monday qualifying for uh, nationwide tour events, which is what it was called back then, or buy.com actually. And uh, I started going out and chasing the Mondays, and they let 14 guys in a week uh, to play. So you'd run over and you'd Monday qualify. And I started doing that and getting in and making some paychecks. And, um, you know, my first, my, I turned professional at the US Open. I qualified for the US Open right out of Bit Baylor. Uh, for that summer, and I turned professional at the U.S. Open. That's where I was like, I'm not an AM anymore. Sign me up. I'm going to take a check this week. And that was the start of my pro career. I'd actually qualified for the Byron Nelson a few weeks before, played as an AM, 
And that was an absolute blast. And I, you know, it just really got me hook, line and sinker. I was like, this is where you want to be. Cause the Byron Nelson was the biggest, one of the biggest party spectacles on tour. And it was, it did not disappoint. You know, it's, it's in May, all the girls are wearing all the sundresses and it's hot and everybody's there for a party. And I mean, it is an absolute show. And, uh, it's kind of sad. It's not really like that anymore. They've moved golf course a couple of times, but that was, that was my start. I started Monday and I, I went to Q school and I didn't get my card. I went and played Canadian tour Q school. I got my card and I ended up going out and winning at a Canadian tour event. And then I started chasing the Mondays again and qualified for a bunch and made enough money where I earned status out there for the next year. I went to Q school that year. I didn't get my card. So I started to get to play on the uh, nationwide or corn Ferry, And I got, uh, I ended up making enough money to get a full card the next year. I think I missed my tour card by a shot at Q school. So then in 2004, I played uh, a full year on the corn Ferry and won the whole thing. I'd, couple of wins, a couple of seconds was player of the year. And then that was my path to the PGA tour. Um, and then it, never, never really looked back. I, I went back one year, but I, I got hurt and it's, we can talk about that if you want, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting, the contrast and the differences. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember I went to a ball and they dropped me off. I go from USC. I, I remember getting on a flight. They gave me my assignment. It was a ball was the Carolina league. Uh-huh. And, I sh- and I show up to the ballpark and, you know, USC is pretty nice place. We travel really nice and, and, uh, you know, the venues are really, I mean, this place is probably built in 1900 and I mean, it's just a shithole and we pull up and I kind of had that attitude. Like, you know, I'm, I'm downgrading from college baseball to professional baseball, Yeah, but I was ready for it. And, and I remember, you know, as the years passed and, and, uh, you get to the big leagues and, and you play in the big leagues for a while. I, I look back at those younger years and I have fond memories. I mean, it was it was tough. You know, we were making back then, man, a ball. I remember my checks. I made 800 bucks a month. I'm sitting, oh, wow. I'm sleeping on a couch. You know, we got five guys and and all we did is get to the ballpark, practice, play and then rush home and watch ESPN sports center at the time to see what the big boys were doing. And that was my life. And I just thought it wasn't a big deal that I had to, to rub nickels together to get a meal. We had to, we went to these buffets all the time and that was just part of the minor league experience. I was hungry and I always thought to myself, you know what? You don't like it and it's tough. We'll play better and get to double better. Double a <laughs> gets double a. It's a little nicer. You know, and I got to double a the next year. And if I know if I play really good, I'm going up and I go to triple a, now the stadiums are starting to get nice, you know, and eventually you get to the big leagues. But I look back on, the, on my path and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I think it's cool. It gives you something to fight for you know, when think- you're that when you're that age and you're passionate about what you do. You don't need to live in a palace and tra- you know, you don't know anything about that yet. And, no. uh, you know, it's a pretty cool uh, experience. And, and I always like it. I've got a son that plays minor league baseball now. Whatever he complains about something, I said, listen, you're getting to do this. You're getting to follow your dream. You know, maybe one day you'll make it. Maybe one day you won't. But appreciate every day you have that uniform on. And it, it brought me to your your line of work. And I'm thinking when you're young and you're chasing it and you're on these mini tours, uh, 
it's not like the PGA Tour when you win a major. Next thing you know, you got your jet waiting for you and you're, you know, you'll meet your caddy at the next event when you're young and you're grinding and the money isn't there. What's it like as far as that relationship with the caddy and hotels and travel? Do you have to do all that yourself or does somebody coordinate that for you? No, we do. We do it all. I mean, there's some there's some agents that take care of a lot of stuff for their players. And I I, I have my guy, you know, pick out a room here and there. Uh, but I like doing most of my own travel. I, I, I wouldn't like, well, I got you a 12 o'clock flight. He's like, why'd you give me a 12 o'clock flight? I want to fly. You know, I'm up early every day. And so you just don't even mess with that. But back then and still today, uh, the caddies run by themselves and they are the same way. They always bunk up together. Uh, they're kind of pinching it and they, they love it. You know, they cook out. It's great. Now everybody today is doing like VRBO rentals, renting houses and cooking and kind of keeping it, you know, closer to the, closer to the home feel instead of the hotel type deal. But that's what we did back then. We weren't doing vacation rentals. We always stayed in hotels and we'd all, uh, we'd, I had a roommate and we bunk up every week and go dinner every night and, it was awesome. I wouldn't trade any of that stuff. Like you said, uh, I wouldn't trade any of that stuff because what you learned back then doing that all by yourself straight out of college. I mean, you had to figure out how to grow up real fast. There wasn't a coach anymore. Your parents weren't there. I mean, I took off, I took off in my car from San Antonio. I drove all the way to the East coast into Toronto. I ended up making it to Eugene, Oregon, down to LA and then back home on this giant trek of driving and playing golf. And, you know, there weren't any cell phones really back then that you have today. I mean, it was Rand McNally, like, let's go, you know, you'd go and print off something from MapQuest and here we go. We're off, you know, an actual roadmap in your car. Uh, this is how we're going. So, uh, I, you know, those are some of the funnest times I remember having, the really quaint, cozy dinners with your really good friends and you know, meeting all kinds of new people from different parts of the country. And, uh, you know, cause golf's so individual. It was nice to kind of get together with some people and just you know, some of my best, best memories, 2003, four, I was playing really good and, uh, running with some really good people and still, you know, best friends to this day. Very cool. Um, you're born in Oklahoma city, grew up in San Antonio. Uh, Jimmy Walker, what was he like as a little kid? I was a good athlete. I, I was a really good, uh, pitcher, baseball player. I mean, I'm talking young. I mean, I kind of quit all that stuff to play golf, but we were state champs in Oklahoma. I was pitching. I think I'm in nine, 10 years old, 14 strikeouts. I mean, I was, I could, I was throwing it harder than anybody around there. Um, and we moved we moved, and I started to play golf with my dad at about eight or nine. And uh, my dad was a really good player. I even have, I've watched my dad shoot 60 before. So he was a really good player and he was kind of my, he was my idol because he shot the same scores the guys did on tour. And every chance I got, I'd run home from school and get dropped off. We lived on a golf course and I'd, he'd have my clubs on the golf cart and I'd just run right out and, usually caught him on about the 12th hole because we lived on 13 and I'd play in with him and then we'd practice chipping every night. And I mean, I had it, I had it bad when we moved to Texas. I kind of quit playing all the other sports. I was, you know, played basketball, I never played football, baseball, tennis, uh, just a really good all around athlete. 
Um, I played church league with some friends. They talked me into playing church league and that was, that was pretty fun. Um, only played for a year baseball, but, uh, I quit all that to play golf. I, I just, it blew me away how fun it was and the individual aspect of it. Didn't have anybody to blame, but yourself, you didn't lose games because of somebody else screwing up or, you know, um, or you screw up and feel bad for the whole team. I, I'd like just being just it being me. And I've just played so much golf with my dad into high school and just kept getting better and better and better. It took me till I was 15 years old when I beat my dad for the first time. And, uh, so that, I mean, I then shot 60, I think eight to do it. So he was, he was good and he was my mentor and you know, my, it's, I knew if I could beat him, you know, that was my whole goal growing up was to beat my dad. And once I beat him, I started beating him a lot. And so uh, we just kept it rolling. I mean, he was, he was really proud. I mean, I, if my kid could beat me someday, I would be the biggest thrill in the world. Very cool. Um, you go to, was it Canyon high? You go to Canyon high school. Yeah. Then you go to Baylor. Yeah. Uh, you, high school. you come out of Baylor and uh, you turn you turn pro at the age of 22 uh, and, and the journey starts for you. Uh, 2003 and 2004, the nationwide tour, 2004, you win twice uh, the Bell South Louisiana Open. And in 2004, as you mentioned earlier, you're the leading money winner on that tour and you earn your PGA Tour card. You get to the tour in, in uh, 05. And, and I'm always interested. I'm always interested in this, uh, you know, in the, in the team sport, the baseball. When I got called to the big leagues, there was a guy, a couple guys that kind of took me under their wing and kind of taught me the ropes. They were tough on me, man. They gave me tough love. But it was, hey, rookie, sit down, shut up, sit in the front of the bus. And uh, when, when you earn your stripes, you know, that's how it was back then. It's not so much that way now. If you watch Major League Baseball now, you see kind of the young guys kind of running the show. Much different than when I came up. But I had a couple guys that really took to me and took care of me and kind of taught me the ropes and taught me how to act and, and behave and prepare like a big league player. I'm wondering in the world of golf, when you get to the, to the tour and you earn your card, does somebody come up and kind of take care of you or is it kind of, no, you're on your own, buddy. You got to earn your stripes on your own. And, and, uh, there's none of that. What, what's that like? Yeah. Hell no, man. I mean, it's the, it's the old guard out there. The, the average age on tours dropped considerably since when I got out. But if you didn't really know anybody, I mean, there, yes, there are nice guys. Everybody out there is usually very nice. And, but you got to remember out there, somebody comes in new, you're, you're trying to take that guy's job away from him. You know, it's, it's, there's no team out there. Um, nobody's, I don't think there's really any hazing, but it is very, you know, it's, it's you and it's him and you've got to go do your own thing. And I'm trying to take this guy's job away. and He's trying to take my job away. And you're fighting every week. Every dollar matters. Every point now matters. And it's, you know, it's pretty, it can be pretty cutthroat. Yeah. We all have friends and acquaintances and, you know, really uh, people that we've grown up playing with since junior golf and they're, we're all out here still together, but um, you know, you have, you have friendships, but you know, during the day, man, it's, you know, I want to kick the, I want to kick your ass. Cause I know you're trying to kick my ass and that's how it is. Uh, I, 
college was different. When I got to college, we had a senior that he loved to you know, put you in your place and make you earn your stripes like you're talking about. So that's been my only experience with, with that. Uh, one of our guys, man, he would come over to our apartment and there's four freshmen in there and he'd come over and, you know, hang out with us for a little bit and act like he's being real nice. And when he was, but he would go to the bathroom and then he'd turn your stove on and he'd take black cats, the firecrackers and put the, the uh, fuses <laughs> touching them and we, and he'd leave and, you know, 15 minutes later it gets hot enough to ignite that. And you know, we get, fireworks going off in the kitchen like what the hell are you doing wow and one time he came in from dove hunting and we didn't know it but he he stuffed a 12 gauge shotgun shell box full of dove and he tossed it behind our couch without us knowing and all of a sudden all of a sudden our apartment starts to smell like death and i mean it's bad we cannot figure out what the hell's going on can't can't figure it out it just smells bad everywhere and finally i mean weeks go by and we finally find this thing and it was we knew exactly when it happened when he dropped it off and he you know he loved pulling that kind of crap on us and it was just pretty brutal bringing girls over there and you're just like they were like what is that smell it's like we don't know we're trying to figure it out just it'll go away don't worry about it <laughs> you won't smell it after a while you remember okay 2005 that now you played as an amateur in some tour events prior to that, correct? Yeah, I'd gotten the sponsor exemption to play in, in uh, the Valero in San Antonio, and I'd Monday qualified in to get uh, to play the Byron Nelson that year in uh, 2001, and then qualified for the U.S. Open that year too. A couple weeks later, is there a difference uh, when you got your card hitting that first tee ball on tour as a tour member versus? Uh, playing on the nationwide for me, it, minor league baseball, major league baseball, big difference. The minor leagues, it, and it's all it comes down to kind of speed. You know, speed is just a tick better between that minor league, triple A, double A, and the big leagues. Uh, everything's a, a, a tick faster. Um, and I remember my first big league game, I flew to Baltimore, you know, didn't sleep the night before, and I, you know, I had grown up in this in this in this baseball family where dad played for 20 years so i was around the ballpark all the time you know as a little kid but around big league stadium so it wasn't that big of a deal but it is a big deal when now you're a player and i remember that first big league game i played in it was different i got into the batter's box and it was just all of a sudden instead of you know 6500 fans there's 45,000 fans and the decks are three high. And it seems like I was in a way bigger space. And I remember at the time thinking, yeah. this is so much different. It's almost like probably playing, you know, being a guitarist and playing at some pubs, then then going and playing at the biggest amphitheater you could play at. Was there a difference for you that first tourney as a card carrying member? Or was it just, no, this is golf. It's the same. It's the same game. It's just now I'm on the PGA Tour versus Nationwide. I think my experience was a little different because I go straight from college and where you have no crowds, you have none of that to I Monday qualified for the Byron Nelson biggest crowds on tour. It's way different. You get there. It's just got this, it's got this huge feel to it. And you're like, Whoa, this is just next. I mean, like it's the highest level there is. It's, it feels so big 
and I'm out playing a practice round and Tiger Woods hops over onto my hole late in the afternoon and he meets me up on the next tee box and I, I get to play golf. I, I'm like, am I going to get to play with him all the way in? Like, it's just me and him. This is wild. And this is when Tiger in 2001 was Tiger. Like, right, right. The, the, you know, the goat. And uh, he's like, hey, man, I just want to play a couple holes. Can I play fast? I'll, 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 you know, can I play through? I'm like, dude, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm this, this college kid. And he was super cool. He hits his shot on this par three first. And it's an eight iron down the hill. And I was so damn nervous, dude. I've got, I've got the don'ts going. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't shank it. Don't whiff it. Don't fat it. And I mean, it's, it is really bad. I'm shaking. I'm so nervous. And I make my swing and I flush it. I was just, I had the biggest feel of relief. And I look up and it's going right at the hole and I quit watching and we start talking going down the, down the hill. And it was cool. And I told him I Monday qualified in. He was like, that's awesome. And, you know, uh, I get down there. He's He's got like a 12-footer and I got like a 8-footer. And I can remember thinking, you know what? I don't think I will ever be that nervous again hitting a golf shot in my entire life. And to this day, that is 100% true. So right out of the get-go for me, I got to experience – I think max emotion on the biggest stage and it really helped calm me down. When I got to the U S open a couple of weeks later in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I tee off the first hole with Nick Faldo at like eight 30 in the morning and it's five deep all the way down the first hole. It's, it's just, it is a giant, giant step, you know, above even the, the Byron Nelson. I mean, you're at the U S open and it is, fans are rabid and they're everywhere and it's so big. And I got up there and just striped it right off the first tee. Wasn't nervous. And I had that feeling of I've done this before and I did it two weeks ago and it will never be that hard again. And I, I think it really helped me get over very quickly how big the scene was. And I loved it. I was like, this is it. This is, this is what I've worked so hard for. And it's happened this fast. Um, you know, granted, I didn't, I didn't get back out there as fast as I wanted to, but you know, I did, and I, I, I paid my dues. I earned my stripes, and grew a lot those next couple of years to get out there. So, when I finally got there, it was more. I was more proud hitting my first shot, but, but I had, I blew my neck out on the range uh, at the first term of the year at the Sony in 2005 as my first year rookie card carrying member on Tuesday and to the point where I went to the emergency room and got heavy meds. And I, my first year out was pretty brutal. I ended up taking a major medical, but, but I was ready to go when I got there that Monday or Sunday or Saturday before I was, I was so pumped to get going and it's like, I'm going to go kick ass. I, that's how confident I was. I, I could, I could relate. Well, I can't, I, I can relate in a different way. What you're talking about when, you know, you're a young kid and you're playing with Tiger, you just want to hit a good shot. Just get me off this tee box. Don't let me shank it. Don't let me, oh, you know, bro. It was so bad. I, I could, I play. Okay. Cause we, we do this, you know, in our little celebrity golf world, you know, we'll have our events. And I remember one time it was in La Costa uh, down in San Diego 
And for whatever reasons, I had never had them in my life. I had the shanks. I got uh, the shanks. I shanked uh, five, five balls that day. Uh, and I remember, you know, because we have at the most, I forget, you know, I'd have 15, 20 people following me. And, and it's funny, too, Jimmy, everybody thinks, you know, they line up like, like, like they line up for you guys, you know, and you see it on TV and everybody oh, yeah, goes to your ball. But they don't really. They don't realize that we're not professional golfers. Not we're a smart. bunch of we're a bunch of hacks out here, but they in their mind, they just think, no, no, well, he was a baseball player, so he could golf. Yeah, I can golf, but I'll tell you what, at any time I can hit one right in your forehead. <laughs> and it's hilarious how these fans just take it for granted, like, oh, we'll just line up right here. And I'm sitting there going, Well, this is golf's hard enough for me anyway. And now I've got you thinking I'm a pro standing to my right. And I thought through that round when I had the shanks, I thought. If I'm a tour player and this camera is following me around and I get the shanks, there's got to be something that you have. I know as a baseball player, if I get to a point where I'm just completely lost in the batter's box, I do have an emergency mode I can go to and survive and get through the game or get through a few games with ultimate emergency mode. So I don't just implode. Is there something that a golfer, is there something that a golfer has with that camera's phone? I couldn't imagine the shanks that I had that day. And it didn't matter what I did. I couldn't stop doing it to the point where your buddies in your group are, are starting to look away like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you don't know what to do. You feel like you're on an Island. I'm thinking, what if this is what I do for a living and this happens? There's gotta be a mode that you go into. Okay. Well, I'm not going to play good today, but I, I can't humiliate myself this way. I've always thought, uh, about man, it's so hard. Uh, Webb Simpson, he's notoriously, uh, known for getting the shanks every now and then. <laughs> and I mean, and they're bad. Like he, he shanks. I mean, it's a full blown hosel rocket. It's a hard lateral. I've had it happen a couple of times. I had it happen. I remember at Bay Hill one year, final round. I had it happen uh, twice. It was, and it just, when it happens, you're like, what the hell was that? Like, where does, how does that even happen? Um, I never really too worried about that, but it's embarrassing as all hell when something like that happens. But, you know, you just got to think like, oh, it's only, you know, just a half inch away from hitting a really good shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the worst part, the worst part out there is it's the leaking oil, man. It's you're riding the cut line or you're finishing on Sunday and shit just starts to go bad. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is, get me in the house as fast as possible. I mean, you're on, you're on damage control. It is it's hard to describe it. I mean, you can't, it's like, you can't do anything right. Nothing will, nothing will go in. And it is just an absolute hang on fest. Uh, and those are the worst. And sometimes it's the weather too. I remember playing an open championship at the old course with, uh, me and Adam Scott and Martin Kimer were made the, made the turn to come back in and it was dead into the wind. Remember hitting driver three wood into, uh, the road hole, which normally it's like a driver and a nine iron or something when it's the other way. But I mean, it was just brutal. And it was the biggest hang on fest of all time trying to get in and make the cut. And it, it was just brutal for everybody, but it played so hard coming in. It was just, it's, it's the biggest like helpless feeling you have. And it's so hard to just mentally get over 
feeling like I have no control over what's going on, you know, and that's so tough, but it's, it's just something as a golfer, you, there's no subs, there's no, uh, you know, maybe the ball won't get hit my way. You know, I, right, right. <laughs> it's, it is, uh, there's no, you've got to do it all by yourself. And that's what, that's what's so interesting about, you know, the golfers and we're so good at just being able to flush flush bad stuff you know even hold a hole shot to shot you've got to be able to flush that there's no there ain't no backup man you gotta when you're out there it's all you and you got to keep it rolling and um and it's been vice versa yeah and the other way too you know you you're playing really good and can i have more holes can we keep going today and some days you're like get me off the golf course as fast as right and, and do you ever have uh, you know, and I tell young kids this when it comes to baseball, we talk about hitting and the, and I'll say what you want to avoid is the big number. So what yeah. I mean, what, what I mean by that is when we're not feeling well, when we're not swinging well, we're not seeing the spin on the ball. We're not seeing his release point. We, you go through, you know, you play 162 games. You're going to have some games where you go through that. And as I got older as a player with more experience, I used to be able to cut those down. So instead of going Oh, taking one of those O for 15s, mm-hmm. I learned to recognize it earlier in in the in the streak I was going through. Like, all right, things are really tough right now. You know, it could be the ballpark I'm playing in. Certain ballparks I didn't like going to. I just didn't see the ball well there. It could be that. It could be a lot of different factors. But I learned as an older player, okay, instead of going O for 15, I'm going to cut down. I've got an emergency hack to go to where I can survive. And maybe I throw in two hits. So I go two for 15 instead of the young Brett would have gone 0 for 15 because I'm not going to make an adjustment. So I often Mm -hmm. tell that to young players, make the adjustment. It's interesting to me. You talk about there's days where you're holding on and you're just like, nothing's going right. I don't feel right. I just got to kind of kind of hold serve here. And just don't yeah. blow up. Is there ever a day where you're like, all right, because the days you're feeling great and you're out there, like you said, you're looking for more holes, you're knocking pins down and you're going, give me, I can hit any shot today. I'm rolling it. You know, my putter's on fire and you're going for everything. You're going to play as aggressive as you can. Is there ever a day where you said, I don't have it today, but I got to find a way to slap this thing around and make, maybe if I can shoot even par, I get to tomorrow, I can work it out on the range and maybe tomorrow is a new day. Do you ever have a tourney where you completely turn things around from one day, just surviving to the next day? Oh, I'm back. Oh, for sure. Uh, You know, at the highest level, you're, you're always, sometimes it's just one swing where you see one putt go in. You can be having just, a real kind of blah day and it's not feeling good. And then, you know, you make a kind of an unexpected 25 footer and something clicks in your head and all of a sudden you're this positive feeling just floods you again out of nowhere and you write the ship and it's, it's hard to do every time or, half the time but man when like when it happens it's it's so important to hammer down and keep it going and uh but yeah it's man it it golf so it's such a mind deal um and i imagine most other sports are too but it can happen so fast just just one one swing one thought 
oh yeah, this is what I was thinking about, or this is what I was doing. And, you know, I've always written stuff down that I was working on and did. And you can kind of go back to that overnight. If you've struggled all day, go back, look at things that you did in the past. And you know, that's where it's important to have a coach too, that you can talk to and bounce ideas off of. And your caddy, it's up to you as a player to really talk about this stuff. You know, caddy's like, what are you thinking and feeling right now? Well, this is what I'm thinking and feeling. And that way you can bounce ideas off each other as you're playing. And, um, you know, there's sometimes where you're, you're on, you're hitting it good. And every play you hit, hits the lip, you know, nothing's going in. And it just, so it's, it's all over the map on, uh, on what's going on out there and how you're doing and how you feel. But, uh, you've had those days where you're like, man, I just, I'm not feeling today, but you have to go perform and you have to go play. And sometimes it's when you're playing really good and you, you're, got a chance to win. You're like, God, just, I kind of stumbled into this. I haven't been playing really good and I'm just playing just good enough this week and it's playing kind of hard and holy shit, I maybe have a chance to win and I just don't quite feel the mojo, you know, but you've got to go figure out how to get it done. You mentioned the injury in 2005. You, you played 21 events in 06. You mentioned you went back to the Nationwide. You got your car back. You wanted the Pete Dye Classic. Uh, mm-hmm. 08, 09, you're 125th on the money list. 2010, 103rd. Top, uh, I think you had three top four finishes. Um, 2011, 68th in the FedEx. 2012, 43rd in the FedEx. And you have six top 10 finishes in 2012. Um 2013, it gets interesting, and you mentioned Tiger earlier. What do, what do you think you can equate? You made 25 cuts in a row. What do you think that equates to in another sport? I know Tiger did it 142. Is that kind of mind-boggling to you that you could go and make 142 cuts in a row? That means not one time on Thursday and Friday can you be horrible. Not one time. <laughs> I mean, I was trying yeah. to equate. I was trying to equate it. I'm like, he went 25 cuts in a row. That means I can't have a bad two games in a row, 25 days in a row. I, I, I'm trying to equate it. I don't even know if it's a good comparison, but I always try to do that. I always try to equate it to what you know what I know. And then I'm thinking 25 cuts in a row, that's a lot. And then I'm looking at Tiger and I'm like, he did it for 142 in a row. I mean, some of the stuff he was doing back then is silly. I mean, the way he he was number one for, I don't know how long, like six years, it seemed like. Never lost his number one ranking. It, that was just crazy. And and I used to live uh, back in those days. That's I lived right down the street from Tiger. I lived in Florida at Isleworth. So I'd, oh, okay. I'd, I'd sneak out and, you know, I'd play with them once in a while. I hated to bug you guys, you know, the tour guys or a bunch of tour guys out there. And I hated to bug. I loved playing with you because I love watching you guys play. I love watching the, the game at the highest level in a different sport. And so anytime I, you know, I'd get an invite, I'd be like, yeah, I'll come play. But I feel like I'm getting in your way. It's almost like if I invite uh, golfers come to the cage and get ready for, for a season. It's like, yeah, it's fine if you come once or twice, but I got to work yeah. on things here. I can't for have sure. you, you hacks hanging around me. That's how I felt with the tour players, but I love going out and playing with you guys, just watching you hit shots. Um, take me through that. When you make 25 cuts in a row, how are you feeling? Like invincible? You really do. Uh, I didn't really know it was happening at the time. And I remember somebody telling me, you know, you've made like 22 straight. You have the longest active cut streak going. I was like, really? 
So that's when you know you're in kind of the zone and you don't really realize you're doing something and just the good things are just happening. I remember hitting it so well and I was, I think it was more putting. I was putting so well that, and I just didn't really worry about making too many bogeys and like the cut just, it wasn't even there. I, I, all I was looking forward to is let's get in the hunt this week. You know, that was your mindset. It was totally, it was very positive. Like, okay, look, we're going to, we're going to be in the mix this week. We're going to be in the mix this week. Every week we're going to be in the mix. And you just don't think about those little things. Um, when that kind of stuff's going on, when you're on those, when you're on those shirts, like when you're on a hitting streak, you just, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get a hit, you know, just, it's going to happen. I'm not really worried about it. So you weren't really worried about making cuts back then. Um, you know, to be honest, like now I haven't been playing very good and it's, it is a different, you know, it's a different feeling of, you know, make the cut this week kind of a deal. And that's a, it's a bad spot to be in when you're, you're kind of thinking on a different path than you really should be. And, uh, it's, it definitely makes it not as fun. And, but back then when you're really playing well, there's nothing better. You really enjoy the shit out of it when you can. I mean, it's, it's what you're there to do and get in the hunt and play well and having those thoughts and feelings. And cause that's, that's what it's all about. And, being that positive is so huge and it's everything in sports and it's life too. I think you're right though. The mental side of it and the, the difference in, in, in the team sports is you can lean on your, on your teammates a little bit golf. It's, it's you baby. It's you and nobody else. And maybe your caddy, if he's really good and you guys are on that same wave. Like I remember playing with Lee Jansen. I used to play with Lee Jansen quite a bit down in Florida and you know, he won the two U S opens uh -huh. And then kind of went off. I'm not going to say the deep end, but he just kind of lost it. And I remember talking to him and out of all the tour players, with maybe the exception of Tiger that I've ever seen for that time, just going out and playing a casual round of golf on a Tuesday. I'd never seen anybody hit it that well and putt that well. It was like he would just tell me, all right, I'm going to birdie in from here. And he would do it. And it'd be like the last four holes. And I'd never... And I said, how do you, how are you struggling right now with the way you're playing? And I remember him turning me and go, Booney, I don't know. He said, there's something going on. Whereas I get to Saturday and mentally I turn off. And this is, you know, this is a guy that's won two, two U.S. Opens and, and I couldn't wrap my head around. I was a young baseball player at the time. I had never, I hadn't gone through that side, you know, mentally believe me as my career went on i had some some bumps along the way where man, i'd be sitting there at night looking at the ceiling like why can't i hit anymore you know i used to be able to hit i used to not have to think about it and all of a sudden i've got to redo my swing and and put in hours and hours and hours it's just the grind and and it, it makes you appreciate the really good times even more when they're there because they're fleeting and they're really tough to play at that highest level um you win your first tournament, fries.com open. You beat VJ Singh. Um, take me through that, your first PGA Tour win. Oh, gosh, it was such a whirlwind. It, it was kind of one of those things, man. It, happened, it felt like it happened so fast on Sunday that it's almost like it was kind of – it's still kind of tough to remember. Um, 
Brooks Kepka was right there trying to win. Um, I remember making this big bogey putt on about the seventh hole and everybody was just kind of hanging around and I birdie the next and I start making a couple of bombs and all of a sudden it's, you know, it's, I wasn't hitting it great. I had a great day on Saturday. I think I shot like 63 or two or something, which kind of vaulted me in the first two days were just kind of, yeah, whatever. And then boom, Saturday happened. And then Sunday was a slow start. And then all of a sudden some putts start going in and you're like, and then that confidence just starts booming again real fast. And a couple of guys didn't birdie a par five coming down the stretch. And then Kepka makes like a six on 17. And it was like, all of a sudden I'm standing down there on 18 T box and I've got a, I'm in the lead by two or whatever. And I was just like, Holy crap, this, how did that just happen? You know, just like it just happened and, uh, hit a great drive right down the middle and, and uh, I remember having to wait forever. Robert Garrigus hit one right on 18, and it was a. It felt like it took 20 minutes. I'm standing out there in the fairway trying to win and get this done. I've got a 60 degree wedge into this back pin, and I'm, I'm just thinking, can we just hurry up? I want to get this. It was almost like I want to get this over with. It's just I want to get this experience done and move on, and I want this to be over and just have that experience. And it was. It just took forever, and. Uh, I hit such a poor second shot into the green. I had, and I two putted from about 50 feet or something like that. And that was it. And it just, it it just happened so fast. It felt like things turned in about 30 minutes out there where it just was, it was like, Whoa, what happened? How did that happen so fast? And, uh, God, I felt like a giant weight was lifted off my shoulders. I, I felt like I should have been doing this a long time ago and, and uh, for it to finally happen was just huge. And um, I remember Butch Harmon, who was my coach at the time, when we finished that season before I won, because this was the first year of that wraparound where we just start playing right away, right after the tour championship. And I'd had my best year ever. I'd made the most money, blah, blah, blah. Did You know, it was my best year. And he goes, it was a great year, Jimmy, but you didn't win. He's like, we need to start winning. And I said, okay. And uh, for it to happen, you know, that fast, um, for that first tournament. And then I end up winning two more times and eight starts. So, uh, kind of one of those deals. Confidence is everything. Once you know, you can do something, it's so much easier to do it again. And, uh, that was my best year after I won that. I think I had three wins that year. I had three top tens in the majors. I had a top 10 at the players. I mean, it was just, it was the ultimate, my best year ever, I think out there. And uh, confidence is key, man. It was, it was so fun. I had so much fun that year, just kicking. I just knew I was going to play good. It was awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you won the Sony Open. You won a Pebble Beach. Uh, you talk about, okay, you're in position to win a tourney. How aware are you of everybody's position? Are you Are you checking the leaderboard? Is your caddy in charge of that telling you what's going on? How aware on, on average are, are tour players when you're – uh, when you're in the hunt to win a tournament, I mean, I mean, is it hole to hole? Is it shot to shot? I think everybody's different. I've, you know, you hear a lot of guys like, I don't watch leaderboards and I just, I'm just going to go out and play as good as I can. Well, that's great. Sometimes you don't have to play as good as you, sometimes you don't have to make birdie. I think, I think knowing the situation is huge, knowing what's going on. Cause you can, as an athlete, press harder and, 
I think you can do better if you need to. Um, hundred percent. I mean, you know the situation and, uh, I always watch, I like to know what's going on. I like to know where everybody's at. Um, it's big. You can, you can do different things. You can, you know, I might not have hit driver on this hole. Now I, now I, now I might, cause you know, I need to make a birdie. I really do. And if I pump a drive down there 40 more yards past where I was thinking about hitting it, you know, it's going to make it a lot easier. Closer you get, easier golf gets. So I'm, I'm big on watching it. I, I know every tournament that I've won, I knew exactly what was going on um, at all times. And if you, and that's to me, is part of the fun is knowing what's going on and enjoying all those moments and the feelings and, and not being afraid of it. I love, I love being at the top and being in the hunt. And, um, that's what you're there to do. It's what you're there for is to enjoy that experience and that moment of, cause it doesn't happen very often in golf. And if I got, if I'm up there, I want to know what the hell I got to do to get it done. It, it, it makes no sense to me. And I hear that all the time from, from other players, you know, it, it, we'd be in the dugout. We're, we're picking the signs from second base and they came, hey, Booney, you want the signs? If you got the signs, I want to know what's coming. And I, and I couldn't fathom like teammates of mine go, no, I don't want to want to know what's coming. Like, why would you want to know what's why would coming? He not? This guy's got a nasty <laughs> breaking ball. He, he's wearing you out on it. You don't want to know when you shouldn't chase this nasty breaking ball that he's going to throw in the dirt you've been chasing all night. I never understood that. Of course, I want to know exactly what's going on. And for us, and you know, when we're out playing our, our typical NASA uh, on a Tuesday afternoon, a lot of times my partner will tell me when I've got a four foot slider down the hill, Booney. Know the situation. Know that you can two putt here and win. Those are For little sure. things. I, I mean, why am I gonna? Oh, I gotta, I gotta make a birdie here, and I run it by the hole three and a half feet, and I got a, you know, a knee buckler, and I, I'm fifty fifty on making that coming back. So if I know I can two putt, let me just maybe ease it over the front edge. If not, I can tap it in and still win the hole in two. You're right. It makes no sense. Oh, I don't want to know. I just want to play. Well, that that's crazy. Yeah, I remember hearing, I thought Jordan said something about that, about him not watching the clock and not knowing the score. And I, I just, I can't imagine that was the truth. I, right. I really, exactly. I, I really just, can't. I think he's just saying it because it's Jordan and I'm mysterious and that's why I'm Jordan. No, and I love the guy. He's awesome. I mean, I, do too. I remember at Ryder Cup 2014, Glen Eagles, I walk off the 17th hole and we're tied and you know, I didn't know he was there and I'm walking through the ropes and, and he's inside the ropes and I look up and it's him and he's he fist bumps me. He's like, let's go, Jimmy. I'm like, holy crap, this is awesome. You know, <laughs> the go Jordan. And I'd met him before in Utah a few times, but it was just like, it was like, yes, Jordan's awesome. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I have a hard time believing that. Um, I think, I think that guy was the ultimate know the situation. That's how I felt. I mean, he knew when he needed to turn it on. You tell me he didn't know the score. Like, come on. 
You have to you have to watch that stuff. He's watching the shot clock. He's watching everything. Of course he is. Of yeah. course he is. You know, Griffey Jr. used to, he was a teammate of mine when I first got to the big leagues. And he used to walk by my, you know, I'd be sitting there grinding it out before the before the game, watching video of the pitcher we were facing that night. He just walked by with his hat on backwards. Booney, what are you looking to do tonight? I said, Junior, what's this guy got? You know, I've been in the big leagues for like a month. He goes, I, I don't know, man. I just see ball, hit ball. Now, that's what he wants me to believe, that it's just so easy for him Yeah, that he can just. But I know behind the scenes, he's doing a he's a lot more meticulous than he lets on. I think that's the same thing with Jordan. He knew every down to the second what was going on in that game. Sure. For sure. For sure. I just rewatched that last dance the other week. It was, that was good. I love his demeanor in it. And it, it's like it, nobody else could really pull off being that blunt with his answers, but it's like, no, he'll give you the answer. And I I wouldn't say it's arrogant or cocky. First of all, it's Jordan. And it's like, when he says it, you laugh because it's like, he's the only one that could say that. And because it's him, (laughs) he pulls it off. Cause what you, you have no, you can't debate what he said. It's correct. He was saying something about Clyde Drexler. This is early in the nineties. And on that on that last day, I remember watching him. He goes, you know, when they were trying to say me and Clyde Drexler were the two best players in the NBA, he said, let me tell you this. In 1992, I was the best player in the world, and Clyde Drexler wasn't even close. And he says this <laughs> looking at the camera with a smile, and, and I'm looking at him going, he's right. He's I mean, right. What are you going to say? It was kind of Barry Bonds when he was playing in, in the early 2000s. Stuff Barry would say. I would just look at him like, that is the cockiest. What a dick. And, but I thought to myself, he's right. I, I have nothing yeah. to say because everything he's saying is correct. It's, it's pretty awesome <laughs> to watch those guys, that, the, the greatest of all times. It's, it's pretty impressive, and, and I love it too. Um, tied for eight at the Masters that year. I want to talk about that a little bit because I haven't played Augusta. When I played for the Braves, I got invited to go out there a few times. And, you know, I was I was at that time in my life. I was like, no, I've got a game tonight. I don't play golf in the morning and then play. Uh, play. So now looking back, I'm like, oh, well, I got to get there eventually. But, yeah, I never played Uh, first time going there. You know, I'm trying to think about what that would be like. I remember first time I went to Yankee Stadium, not the new Yankee Stadium, old Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. And I just was lining up and I'm looking around. And it's not that it was this most beautiful place I'd ever been. It wasn't. But I knew I was somewhere special and I could just yes. feel it. And I couldn't I couldn't really tell you. You had to experience it to know what I was talking about. You just knew you were somewhere special. You knew you were a place where Babe Ruth played. So talk to me about that first Masters. And then I want to talk about that par, the par three tournament where I think you still hold the record. <laughs> so my first trip there, gosh, you get there and I talked about leveling up, you know, and it it has this feeling and it's just special and it's different. It's different than any other major. It's, it's the only one we play at the same place every time it's got all the history. Um, it just, it feels really big, but, but, and they make you feel so welcome. The, the tournament staff, the members, um, 
the locker room guys are so awesome. We have breakfast in the locker room just for us. Uh, the, the, uh, patrons are, uh, so nice. And everybody's, it's, it's funny cause everybody feels like they're walking on eggshells around there. Even the members do like, don't screw up. Don't, don't break a, what are they, they say they don't have any rules, but they've got about 300 customs, you know, you're not supposed to, <laughs> this is customary and this isn't customary. There's no rules apparently, but, uh, man, it's awesome. This, you, you step out onto the putting green up there above 10 and, and one T and look down across there and you know where everything's at and it's got a great feel to it. You can hear all the cheers and the roars and everything rolls and moves through. They're so nice. Um, and the first thing you didn't really understand was how much undulation there is out there. TV does not do that place justice. Um, learn all the little quirks of the golf course. The highest point on the golf course is one green and everything kind of breaks away from there um, on the greens. Just, that's kind of the way it rolls. Everything from one green down to the, you know, 12th green is super fast. You're putting back up towards the clubhouse. It's, it's considerably slow. Uh, the practice facilities are second to none. Food's incredible. The, I mean, over under on meat and a damn egg salad sandwich that week's probably about 12. <laughs> uh, but just, just an incredible experience. I played with Graham McDowell and Ricky Fowler my first year there and, um, I remember I was two overs on my first round through about, I think through 12 and I birdie 13, 14, 15, or I didn't even birdie 13, I birdie 14, 15, 16, 17 to get it to two under for the day. And then had a great rest of the week. Uh, it was, it was awesome. You know, first, first event there, finished top 10, finished eight, just I mean, I was over the moon, just incredible. Can I, can I come back next year? Oh yes, you can. <laughs> so, uh, I remember when I, when I didn't get to, I, I think I played seven or eight in a row and missing the last one was a bummer. The COVID, the COVID one was, we shouldn't have played it. It was, you want to talk about feeling robbed from an experience because it is an experience being there when it's on, it is magic. And playing there with no fans and man, it just, that was such a weird time and work and golf doing that. It was, I did not really enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it at all. Uh, you know, you worked your whole life to get to the big show and can you imagine going out and playing baseball again with zero fans. I mean, it, I can't imagine what that would be like. Um, but Augusta is awesome. If you get to, if it, you know, Ferris Bueller, if you, if you have the chance, I highly recommend it. Yeah, the COVID, you were talking, it was, it was bizarre for me watching baseball, you know, and, and golf, you know, you start to, to see it too with no fans. The baseball to me is like how I, I couldn't imagine get the adrenaline level high enough to, yeah. to get, get in the box. And all of a sudden I'm watching it on TV though. And they have the, like the, the sound piping in, they have fake crowds and, and baseball too is a sport that you've had fans your entire life. T-ball, you know, pitching machine, pitch. I mean, you always had parents and fans and people yelling and screaming, and that's what baseball is. Like, it's always been that way. Right. I, I don't know. I guess they got used to it after a while. 
but uh it, it, it was you're right it was bizarre uh tell me about the par three at the masters you got your kids out there you end up setting the record uh, take me through that because i i don't know i mean do you take is the par three that big of a deal or is it more for the fans is it more just a, a, an entertainment thing like a home run derby it's an entertainment deal home run derby and it's become more of a family affair having your kids out there caddy and and uh i've always enjoyed doing it and it's really fun to play it's been uh so that year we were i was the last tea time and i played with ryan moore and harris english i think that's who i played with i know i played with harris anyways we played what i think we played 200 dollars hole in ones still hadn't paid up on that by the way um so we tee off and my kids are pretty young at that point. They're seven and six and three at that time. I'm just trying to, my whole goal is to keep them out of the lake that day. And I didn't even, I never teed a ball up first hole. I hit it to six inches. I was close to the hole last group of the day, got a nice piece of crystal. Second hole, I walk up onto the tee um, and my oldest, he's like, dad, this hole looks easy. You should make it. It's the shortest par three on the, on the nine holes. And I said, I'll, I'll see what I can do, buddy. I make it hits long left. I spin it back in the hole. Everybody's going crazy. I'm carrying my, I'm carrying my kids down the, down the hole with them on my shoulder. Everybody's going nuts. Um, next hole, par three, obviously par three next hole. I hit it to four feet, make it. Next hole, I hit it to three feet. Next hole, I hit it to three feet. Um, next hole, I hit it over the green. I chip it by about 10 feet, and I knew I was into it when my youngest runs down there to try to pick the ball up, and I ran down there and grabbed him before he could get it. Like, he almost touched it. And I was like, oh, man, maybe you kind of want this today, Jimmy. You know, at that point, I'm destroying. I'm already in the lead. And I'm thinking, let's just, let's run this up and see what we can do. And, uh, I end up making that par putt next hole. I hit it. I lip it out for a hole in one. I lip it out. That was the, that was seven. You hit it long right there. They put it on the front left and, um, I lift it out next hole par three or next hole eight. I hit it back left pins front, right. I make a 30 footer with, uh, two breaks. When that goes in, I'm like, I'm going, you got to be shitting me. I'm eight under through eight holes. Like this is, this is nuts. And, uh, I walk off the green and one of the members who's marshalling out there, he goes, are you really eight under? And I said, yeah. He goes, this is really happening. I said, yeah. He goes, your kids haven't done any, like picked up the ball. I was like, no, no, man, this is real. He's like, okay. And go to the last I hit it right underneath the hole. My ball's an inch off the green and I'm a big lineup guy. And I get in there and I get so fixated on the line cause I can't line it up that I forget about the speed and I leave it an inch short right in the heart from about 12 feet to, to, to uh, shoot eight under for nine holes. And it was a record that hadn't, you know, I broke like a 30 some odd year old record eight under for nine. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it'll ever be beat. Did you start? Did you start teeing it up once you uh, figured? Oh, wait a minute! No, I'm, I'm, you, I, you just you just rolled no. with it. 
I did not tee up one ball the whole day for that for that nine holes, and it was it was pretty cool. It was, a lot of not everybody was still there, but it's, we still had a pretty killer crowd going, and uh, and yeah, won that. I think I won it by three or something that 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 year or whatever it was. But yeah, man, I mean, it was a it was a pretty pretty cool deal. Um, wouldn't trade it for the world. I you know they say that nobody's ever you can't win the Masters if you win the par three. Well, come to find out that uh, if you won the par three, there were like six guys in history that had gone on to win a major that year. And I got, and I ended up, I joined that club that year. When I won that major at Baltus Raw, they were, they go, you know, when you won that par three, you were like the sixth guy to win a major after they'd won the par three that year. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so maybe it's not too bad of a curse. That's right. Golf being so individual, uh, you play in your first Ryder Cup in 2014. I think you'll do it again in 16. Uh, won both times. How much different is that? Uh, because you're so used to, like you said, especially when you're coming up, it's, it's, hey, it's you against everybody else. And there's no buddy, buddy when you get to the tour. All of a sudden, you got a team event. How much different is it? How much fun is it? How cool is that atmosphere? And I love it because the rules of golf are kind of thrown out the window. Everybody's yelling at you, you know, depending on where it's being played, you're getting yelled at. I always thought about that with golf. You know, they always say it's a gentleman's game. And I'm like, well, how come when I'm hitting, people are allowed to call my mom's names and it's no problem. But if somebody <laughs> sneezes on the golf course, oh, man, uh, uh, there's an uproar. There's an uproar. Uh, uh. So how was that? How's that Ryder Cup? How's that that atmosphere? How cool is it playing? I don't know. It looks like a lot of fun. It is. It is. It's the team aspect is is really cool, especially if you've got some cool dudes on there and guys that you enjoy being with, and especially if you can partner with a guy that you really enjoy being with. And um, my first year with uh, at Glen Eagles, Tom Watson took a liking to me and he took a liking to Ricky and he paired us together and he, he told us before we went, he's like, be prepared to play all five matches. And I said, cool. And at that point I was playing about as good a golf as anybody was. And, um, had some killer tough matches. Uh, I remember I chipped in, chipped in. You, you always see people do crazy stuff at Ryder cup. And I got to experience like I chipped in twice in my first match and you just don't do that. And that's really hard to do, but rise to the level, you know, know the situation. I've got to make this. And, uh, um, I played some of my best golf ever at that Ryder cup in 14. I, I took a lot away from that. My, uh, my four matches with Ricky, we were pretty spent on our fourth match. We'd had, we had three straight draws kind of coming back. Um, I putted so good. I putted really well. Made a, you know, I say I did, I putted good. I made all the putts I really needed to make. I made, and, um, late in the evening, I remember watching Ricky hit a three wood that just, I can still, you know, see every, every detail of that entire sequence. Uh, God, it's, it's, it's just different. I put, I remember teeing off with Zach in our match in 16 at Hazeltine. And it was just, it was huge, like really, really big. And we talked about it, about pressure. And we both came up with, you feel so much more pressure in a Ryder Cup than coming down the stretch trying to win a major. Because you are forced into this situation at a Ryder Cup where you 
you're there and you have to play. When you get to a when you get to a chance to win a golf tournament or a major championship, you're in there and you're in that situation because you are at your best that week and you really probably aren't fearing too much. When you get into that Ryder Cup, you're like, Whoa, how how's this gonna work this week? Am I gonna have my stuff together? Is this gonna be hard? Is it gonna be easy? I wanna be I want it to be nice and easy and play well and you know, be on and be confident, but that's not how golf works. You kind of, it's kind of the one event where you get thrust into, you need to play good this week. And you know, so uh, I took a lot from that too, that 14 uh, into the next year is like, I can, I can step it up every week. You know, I have to play good this week, but team events are awesome. Met, you meet and hang out with people you don't probably wouldn't normally hang out with and um, make some new friends. 2015, you win the Sony Open again. Uh, you win the Valero Texas Open, top ten in the world, and that takes us to the to the PGA Championship where you end up winning, uh, shooting 67 to beat J- uh, Jason Day um, for your first major. That's when did you know in that round that I got a chance to win this thing? Where did it hit you? Like this was it hit real. me on yeah, it hit me on ten. I hit I. Nobody was really doing anything. It was playing. It was and wasn't playing tough. Just nobody was really doing anything. If, even me, I just made nine straight pars. And when you're on that kind of snide of pars, you always want to end it with a birdie, not a bogey. And I hit 10 was not my favorite hole. It was my least favorite hole in the course. And I left it short and right in the front bunker in two. And I'm kind of in that, okay, we got to get this up and down. I got to make par again. And I, and I get in there. I thought I was short-sided. And I get in there, and I've, I've got it just on the upslope, which is exactly what you want for any bunker shot. And I had plenty of room from where I was to the pin. And I wasn't trying to make it, but uh, it came out perfect, landed perfect, kicked a little right, needed the right kick, and it did. And it just rolled right in the hole. And when that went in, I remember – I went over and high-fived Andy and got up on the green and folded my arms and just kind of stood there and let it sink in. And I said, God, you know, this, this is shaping up to be your day. Today is the day. And we'd already, it was a 36 hole day. So it was already kind of a long day, but I said, man, this is, that looks, this is looking good. Uh, pumped it down the next, didn't hit a very good iron shot in, but I make a double breaker from about 30 feet. And that went in. I was like, it's definitely your day. And that week was an interesting week because I was hitting it so well. And the rough was just at the right height and the greens were soft enough that I was in a position where I didn't feel like I was going to make a bogey. And I've really never had that feeling ever before that. And after of, I'm not going to make a bogey. That's just how I felt. And that's how it my experience was playing that week. Um, if I ever got in trouble, I knew I was going to get out of it. I was putting well, chipping well. My rough game was as good as anybody's ever. Um, and that was the, it's such a free feeling when you can feel that way that I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a bogey. I'm not giving anything away. And I did in that final round, I went bogey free and, uh guy was it was incredible just absolutely incredible um incredible week how did how does that change your life is it different after you win a major on the tour 
Um, I don't think it changed. It didn't change my life at all. It definitely makes you hungry, makes you want to do it again. Um, once you know you can do something, it's easier to repeat it. It just, I just kind of, I'll tell you how it changed my life. It changed my life. It gave me a five-year exemption. It was like, I got signed to a five-year contract, which in golf is a big deal because we just don't get to experience stuff like that. If you always feel like you're for most, for most people out there, it's year to year. And, uh, it's, it's hard and you're always grinding. There's no, there's no, um, job security really like you got to go earn it every week every shot every every week every year you got to do it all over again go back to zero every year so that's what that gave me and that's what was life-changing it was life-changing for me in the fact that i got diagnosed with lyme disease um basically kind of right after that that year and i got sick and i just never really had played quite the same after i got sick and what that what that was for me was that was life-changing honestly and I didn't know it at the time, but it was, uh, in retrospect, getting those, getting those years and still being able to play. Yeah. Lyme, you were diagnosed with Lyme disease in 2017. Is that something you got to d- deal with on a daily, weekly basis? Does it come in and out? I, I, I mean, yeah, in the beginning it, it was something I dealt with every day. And, uh, and today after I did two years of medication and, um, there's still lingering effects. I still feel it. I think I'm mentally not as sharp as I was. It, it you know, it hit me physically so hard. It, it hit my brain too. I just, I'm not quite as sharp. I don't remember. My memory isn't quite what it was. Um, and physically, physically I feel really good, uh, now. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping my brain kind of kicks back on and starts working a little better but uh but yeah it's it's been tough i i wouldn't wish it out on anybody it's been tough you mentioned on on that uh that final round where you kind of knew that's where you know when i'm watching on tv watching you guys play what is your relationship with your caddy does he know when all right he's got it today and it's kind of a wink and it's kind of a look or might raise your eyebrow or a smirk. Like, yeah, I know this is going exactly where I'm telling you it's going. Do you guys kind of get in sync? Is it, is it like a pitcher and a catcher? Like we got it today. We're working together. Everything we say is in sync. Yeah. You have days like that for sure. Where you're reading putts together and you're both, you know, on together and, like I see it here. I see it here too. Great. Let's go. Or I like this shot. I like that shot too. This is what I'm seeing. Yeah. I see the same thing. And you have, you have weeks like that where it's days and weeks like that, where you are both very on. And uh, then you have weeks where it's a complete cluster <laughs> and, and, you, and you hate him. And he's got, he, yeah. he almost got fired. I'm like, times. where are you, where are you seeing this? When he goes, it's left edge. I was like, Oh my gosh, I see it breaking <laughs> right <left>. center. <laughs> yeah. I, <you> know. <laughs> So yes, you definitely have that stuff happening too. But uh, you know, caddies are they can they can be super instrumental in knowing what to say at the right time and what not to say at the right time at the wrong time. Uh, I remember when I won Pebble Beach, I was leaking oil coming in, and uh, we had played the whiskey route on Wednesday practice round. It was one two. Uh, one, two, three, 17, 18. It's real fun to play just at the end of the day. It's pretty. And, and I remember we played and we we're on 18. It was just gorgeous on Wednesday evening. And 
I said, God dang, how cool it would be to be walking down here Sunday and have a chance to win this golf tournament. He's like, oh my God, that'd be amazing. And we tee off on 18 and I'd been leaking oil. I just three putted 17 and I got a one shot lead. And I hit this four iron through the fairway on the line. He told me to hit it and I just hit it too good. And uh, I went into kind of some junk and I'm pissed off walking off the tee and we're about halfway down to that ball. And he goes, God, he's like, you remember what we talked about on Wednesday? You remember what you said? And I'm like, yes. And he goes, well, damn it. You've got a chance to do this. Let's go get it done. I was like, all right, you know, snap me out of it. You know, I was kind of in a funk and perfect example of, you know, let's, uh, let's go do it. We have a chance. This is what you asked for and talked about. Uh, PJ championship. Jason day makes that Eagle on the last hole. And I went from a three shot lead to a one shot lead. And, uh, we were going for the green regardless in the fairway. It didn't matter what he did. We were going to hit three wood up there because the closer you get to the green and golf, it just gets easier. Right. Um, just stats wise. And he makes that putt and he looks over at me because this doesn't change anything that we're doing. We're, we're going to knock this sucker up there by the green. We're going to make birdie and we're going to win this thing. And, uh, so that, you know, that to me was us being on the same page again in a big moment and, and it worked. At Pebble Beach, and and we talked off air before. I'm going in a, in a week. That's my favorite week of uh, of the year when a bunch of the guys get together. Uh, an MLB event that we have up there. I always think about that on 18. I mean, I mean, it's such a beautiful course on a nice day at Pebble Beach. But I've been there so many times too, where that wind's whipping, and I think about you guys. I'm like, what would I do if I'm on tour? I got a one shot lead, and that wind's blowing off the ocean, and my driver. I mean, that thing. If, if I just miss it at all, it's it's going dead right so far. Ob. But don't double cross it. Don't hook it into the ocean here, which I've done before. Or just hit my three iron and and maybe be, try to be even with the tree. I don't know what to do. I, I think about that all the time. Usually I hit iron off that tee if I've got a good round going and there's any wind at all. I'm, I'm scared to death. I'm scared oh, to death. I'm tough, like, man, I mean, that yeah, OB I'm, on the right is tight. It's right oh, there. And, and when that wind's going right, I mean, if I miss it at all, it just gets up in that that yeah. gust and it's gone and I've done it yeah. too many times. Now, if I'm having, you know, if I'm having my typical average round, like I usually do, I'm ripping driver as far as I can hit it. But on the rare occasion that I've got a good score going into 18, you know, I want to come into the house with a good score. I'll hit three iron and I'll be like, I oh, don't yeah. really care. I'll hit three iron, rip three wood, make it a three shot hole. Um, but man, what, a, what an awesome place it is. Okay. I'm going to let you out of here soon, but I got to, I got to, I got to go through this different. Here's golf. It's different than all the other sports too. beginning of the year. How do you pick your schedule? Once you're an established tour player, how do you pick your schedule? You just sit there at the beginning of the year, go through your, uh, go through the tournaments and, and, I don't know. Maybe some courses don't set up good to your eye and you don't like to play those courses. How does, the, sure. how does the typical tour player set up? Is it just a calendar thing? Like I'm going to play here, 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 you know, barring injury or something like that. Yeah. And that's how you right. go through it. It's already right on the now schedule. For, yeah. Right now for me, I, I have a great history in Hawaii. Won it twice, won it once by nine shots. I love it there. Uh, why wouldn't you want to be in Hawaii and playing golf? I'm going to play the whole West coast. Uh, I enjoy West coast golf. I love all the golf courses. And, um, uh, so that's kind of where I start off. Um, 
and then we go to Florida and I'm kind of in a position now where I don't get to, I'm not in all the really big stuff. So I'm just, I'm playing what I can play in. And, and that's kind of how my schedule is right now working you know, back when you're playing really good, you're playing all the special events. And so you've got to plan differently. I've, I've always, you know, I'm a Texas guy and I've tried to support all the Texas events. So I always tried to play all the Texas events and work my schedule around that. And so that still continues to this day, but, uh, you know, your schedule can be very fluid. If the, the better you start playing opportunities arise for you to play in different events and you've kind of got to, you know, these are things you've got to figure out kind of on the fly. But right now I've, I've got mine set up to play the whole West coast and then play all the Florida events. I can, I'll be pretty heavy, heavy playing. Um, uh, once the new year starts, I'm definitely enjoying my off season. I didn't play much this fall and I, uh, got to hunting. I'm at the ranch and looking for a big deer and <laughs> so enjoying fire pits at night and having some cocktails. And it's, it's been, it's been good. I'm enjoying it. We're here all week for Thanksgiving and, but that's just kind of how, how it all works. You can pick and choose what you want to play in for the most part, except for the bigger stuff. Uh, but when you start playing good, that, that stuff happens for you. Uh, live tour good or bad for the, for the, for the game of golf, uh, pros and cons in, in your eyes. Competition's great. I and mean, you know, if, if you can look back at anything that this has done, it's going to make the PJ tour supposedly better. I don't know. I think where the tour has really messed this muck, this whole deal up is they've looked so reactive to this whole situation when they could have been very proactive. They knew this thing was on its on the way. I think it happened. It happened kind of faster than it materialized faster than they thought it was going to. I think they thought it was just going to kind of go away, but it happened really fast. And, you know, you're sitting there as a member and this other thing happens and they start paying all these guys, all this money and like, wow, that that's kind of cool. You know, you got, you know, one of the hardest sports jobs in the world to get and you don't even get paid to do it. There's no money up front. Uh, there's no contract sign. There's no welcome to the PGA tour. Here's your base salary. We're just going to give you, here's 500,000 for the year. And, uh, you know, compared to other sports, that's pretty damn, that wouldn't be, that'd be pretty cheap. Um, and you start seeing guys get paid to play. You're like, well, that sounds kind of nice. Oh, you mean I get to, I get, paid this to come over and play and congrats. Here's your, here's your spot. You know, it's, it's, it's revolutionary in our game. And, um, it was very appealing to a lot of guys. I can see why a lot of the older guys went, they, they got paid a decent chunk and they go over and play. They play three days and then they're out. Then you only have to play 14 times a year. Like, well, that sounds kind of nice. Um, especially when you're older for the younger guys, I don't really understand wanting to go do it but everybody's priorities are different and what they want to achieve in life. But, um, you know, the going back to the tour being reactive, you know, all of a sudden there was two, they found $200 million overnight to throw into all the purses. Like, where's this, where's that been the last three, four, five, six, seven years? <laughs> you know, we just, all of a sudden there's all this new money. It just, it hasn't set really well with a lot of people. I don't, you know, 
it, it'll be interesting how it all shakes out because I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't think the PGA tour has ever had a competition like this. You've seen it no. in maybe basketball back in the day when it was the ABA and then they ended yeah. up coming together. Baseball, there's nothing, um, you know, football, some, some leagues have popped up, but they never lasted very long and, and were ever a real threat. Uh, to the NFL. So it, it'll be really interesting to to see where this goes. I mean, a lot of guys making a lot of money. Um, I haven't watched too many live events. <laughs> you know, I've kind of popped in for, for here or there. I just, I don't know. I think as, as the golf fan, just like in any sport, fans want to see the best players in the world uh, competing on the weekend. And whether that's one day they somehow come by, I have no idea what's going to happen. It's just, you know, I, I, I'd like getting your perspective because you're, you know, you're in the grind out there and you're, you're a part of it and you're, you're seeing my, it on a different. Uh, my perspective is that, you know, us going to this full year season deal was just, I, I didn't enjoy it. I don't think anybody did. I feel like our audience is kind of, you know, it's like, let's starve, starve your audience for three months. Don't, don't have any golf on. Let us have a break. Um, and when, you know, I always felt like, you know, when January kicked back off after being off for three months, everybody was really excited to see golf again and watch it. And you had, you know, better players playing more often. And, um, so I'm, I'm happy that we're going back to the, you know, shutting it down kind of deal. Right. Have a little bit of a legitimate off season. For sure. And you need to go work on stuff, you know, like I need to make a swing change or I want to make a swing change or I right. want to do this. I want to, Oh God, can I just have a month and a half off and not do a damn thing? Not, yeah. not, not I don't, think I, about it. I don't know how you guys do it when you're still, you know, say you're a young player and you're, and you're, you're a great player and you're top whatever in the world. And so you're playing a lot. And you do have to make a swing change. I, I know a couple of times in my career, I completely changed my, my stance, my swing. That's nothing I could do on the fly. I couldn't do that while I was playing in, in, you know, in a competitive atmosphere. It's something where I needed that off season to get to the cage for a month and a half, just to feel somewhat uh, normal and then take it through a full spring training and test it out to make sure this is going to work. Uh, it, and it was just repetition, repetition. I couldn't get that still having to compete, if, if that makes sense. At, at the highest level, you can't just make a, a major change and bring it into competition. That's not going to uh, unless you're, you know, a, a freak of nature. It's really, it's it, really hard. It, it's yeah, really you hard can't to, do it. I mean, we've had to. We've had to do that, and you know, if because that's the way it's been. Tour championships over, it starts back up in two weeks. Like there is no right. Like I was, no I, I was looking forward to sw making a swing change and, and bringing it fresh in, in three months, and now I can't do it. Yeah, and so I'm I'm excited to see it, but it'll be really interesting to see how this whole deal shakes out. With I mean, there's basically going to be two tours on tour, and I I don't think it's really set setting well with the bulk of the membership. Well, Jimmy Walker, it's been a pleasure. I, I appreciate you coming on the Boone podcast. Uh, best of luck going forward. I'm going to be, I'm going to be watching it. Hopefully uh, one day when I'm, when I'm out at your place in Utah, uh, we'll get a chance to go out and play. Yeah, let's play this summer. Come I would, on out. I would love to, I would love to do that. Utah summers are pretty sick. I'm not going to lie. It's a good spot to hang out. 
And what we do each and every Boone podcast at the end of the podcast is we kick it back to the voice of the podcast. That voice is Dan Levy. Dan, that's going to do it for the Brett Boone podcast. My name is Dan Levy, the technical director, producer, voice of the Boone podcast, EP, executive producer, Rich Herrera, digital. All gets uploaded by Liz Landry. Do us a favor. Share the Boone podcast, neighbors and friends and all those that love sports. Make sure you subscribe. Never miss an episode. And while you're at it, give us a five-star rating and share your feelings about the podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. For all of us here on the Boone Podcast, he is Brett Boone. You can find him on social media at the Boone 29. I'm Dan Levy, B-A-S-S on air. That is base on air, all of my social medias. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again soon. Have a great one.